。看来我们只能靠自己了。地球错失了最后一次机会。这座宫殿不是庇护所。Hi everyone, and welcome to Middle Earth, your source for insight into China culture industry. Listen on to those who are making a living by creating and distributing art or content onto the world's second biggest cultural market. I'm your host Aladdin Farré, founder of China Compass Production. And apart from this podcast, if you need to find a location scouting for your next film in China or bring your YouTube channel to Chinese platform, you should reach out. Before we start, I want to say that I feel a little bit sick over only a few days after leaving China. I'm not sure if it's because of COVID or the explosive cocktails of cold Korean weather with the life associated with the Busan Film Festival. Anyway. I think it is safe to say that if you ask most people listening to this show what Chinese film first made a big impression on them, it would surely be a kung fu movie like Heroes or Crouch Tiger, Hidden Dragon. That genre of film has actually a name, and it's called wuxia. Wu meaning military, martial. It's the same characters as wushu, like a kind of the, a kung fu idea, and xia that means something like hero. The stories are usually about some heroes fighting injustice in ancient time using martial art. If we could trace back that genre more than 2,000 years ago with stories of assassins trying to take down evil king, the gold standard of such story would definitely be Water Margin or Outlaws of the March, written in the 14th century, one of China's four classic novels. That I all invite you to read, but since the 20th century, why did countless book, TV show, movies, and video game have been based out of those kind of stories? And how did the genre actually evolve as the audience change over the last decades? To answer those questions, today with me three guests, all remote.、Uh, first, Gigi Chang. Hello. Hello, everyone.、Um, my name is Gigi, and I'm very pleased to be here today.、Um, I am one of the translators of Jin Yong's Legends of the Condor Heroes, and I work translate from Chinese into English. I'm connecting from Shenzhen today. And for those who don't know, what is the Legend of Condor Heroes? That's basically the Chinese Lord of the Ring. Yes, and I guess some people would say it's、um, Star Wars and Harry Potter, and、um, maybe like the Three Musketeers all rolled into one. Okay, great. Next to you in the chat box, Lai Jingping or GP for your friends. Hey everybody,、uh, my name is JP. I'm the、uh, founder, CEO, and also the first translator for Wuxia World. We're the biggest.、Uh, Platform for translating Asian web novels to English from their respective languages, and we really got our stuff,、uh, our start off from translating wuxia and its uh, derivative uh, types of novels. So this is really, you know, what I live for. And last, Felix Lu in Zhengzhou. Hi. Hi everyone. This is Felix, and、uh, I'm based in Zhengzhou right now. Used to work in Xiangshan Global Studios for three years. So、uh, one of the largest. Film studios in China and produce lots of wuxia films or TV series at the studio. And you can actually listen to Felix's interview about the studio on Middle Earth, episode thirty-six. And then we'll finish this、uh, panel conversation with a podcast usual quiz where one of our guests will win a prize, but it's not going to be a sword. I must add that our distributor, the World of Chinese Magazine, for each issue publishes short fiction. And not so long ago, we had one of those short stories that are taking a new take on Musia novel. So we have some like、uh, Restaurant of the Thousand Arm, Marshall Tea, and Night Move by author Hu Yuesheng. All of this will be found in the podcast description. So first of all, to set the stage, can we please define first, like what is wuxia? How would you describe it to someone who's never read any type of those stories? So I think Gigi, you can start. Okay, I think、um, Aladdin, your introduction is actually quite succinct.、Uh, wuxia martial arts stories tends to be、um, adventure stories, often have one or two or three or group of protagonists, and they often exist.、Um, 
between the sort of common lay person's world, the world of the common people that know no kung fu, that don't can't fight, and the official realm, as in government, armies, and etc. So, so they are the stories that kind of links these two worlds, and they exist on their third world. And um, the series of adventures often have to do with a very specific moral code and a sense of justice. Um, in a way, sort of in a sort of more Western example, would be something similar to Robin Hood. You know, they rob the rich to help the poor, or they're restoring justice to you know wrongful murders or restoring a natural sense of justice that probably is quite a universal belief. Well, restoring justice in China. I love it. GP, anything else you would like to add? I think you guys covered it wonderfully. Um, the one thing I want to point out is that the concept of uh, the xia, or sort of the wandering hero, is actually much older than the genre itself. Um, and one of uh, Jing's other famous novels called Xia Xing, the name is actually borrowed from uh, one of the famous poet Li Bai's poem of the same name, Xia Xing, or Ode to Gallantry. So this this concept of this sort of the wandering hero is rooted sort of really deeply in Chinese uh, sort of mythology and history, really. And that's sort of where all of these sort of wonderful stories really come from. It's it's really sort of China's version of the knight errantry, the, 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 the you know, the European... Uh, knighthood, you know, or at least the idealized version of it, so to speak. And to give like some kind of historical continuity, like could you guys tell us like when you were kids, like what kind of a uh, wuxia content were you guys consuming? Felix, I think you can start. Uh, when I was young, like a kid, I watched uh, Jingyong, all that, uh, pretty famous. Yeah, so I grew up in Hong Kong in the 80s and 90s, and the majority of sort of seminal um Jingyong or martial arts TV adaptation came from that era and mostly from Hong Kong TV studios and film studios at the time. So I grew up with the the real classics, um, which was watched. Um, they were watched around the world um, and with anywhere there is a Chinatown and a video shop, like the 1983 TVB series of Legends of the Condor Hero, which um, I was one of the translators for. At the same time, I was watching the 1990s new version. So so really sort of the 80s, 90s classic versions are w what I grew up with, as well as the theme songs from those TV shows. My experience was a little bit different uh, from the, these, uh, these other two guests because I was sort of raised in the United States. So... Growing up, I didn't really have a lot of exposure to Chinese culture until I was a teenager. And that was my first time being exposed to Chinese culture. And of course, it was uh, in the form of Hong Kong cinema and TV series, uh, Wuxia cinema, Wuxia TV series. And at that point, I actually barely spoke Chinese and I didn't read Chinese at all. And the sort of interest I felt in those series is a really important component of me wanting to pick up Chinese again and, you know, learn sort of the ancestral language that uh, my parents and grandparents knew, but I didn't know as well. So Wuxia really had a formative role in, in my personal life uh, history. And, and that's why it's been, you know, still so near and dear to my heart, even after all these years. Gigi, can you share the anecdote of the of your professor thinking you were like reading trashy novels? <laughs> <laughs> At least from when I was growing up in the 80s and 90s, uh, martials art, martial arts fiction, Jin Yong, were considered to be um, fairly pulp fiction. They're not considered as highbrow literature. So if we read it in class, um, 
they would be treated in the same way as you're trying to read a comic book in class. So you know, it really wasn't encouraged when I was、um, in my primary and secondary school. But now,、um, Jin Yong and、um, other martial arts writers、um, has become. Not exactly part of the official curriculum, but will be in the recommended、um, extracurricular reading. For those who don't know, like, could someone give a Jin Yong bio- short biography? Because I think like it could definitely be a biopic in itself. Oh Lord! I mean, Jin Yong is sort of you know he he is the North Star, you know, the pole star of modern Chinese wuxia. He is、uh, his many novels his have been you know just. Made and remade in the series over and over. I, I would say that he is his his content is sort of it has sort of defined the、uh, genre of modern wuxia for the past few decades. His impact in modern days really just cannot be overstated. He is modern Chinese popular culture. I mean, I, I don't even think that's an exaggeration.、Um, why, in a way, sort of when we were. Promoting the Legends of the Condor Heroes translation, we did compare him with Tolkien and Lord of the Rings. We were actually comparing his status and influence on the genre of wuxia as Tolkien to the genre of fantasy. Pretty much any Western fantasy these days, anything to do with high fantasy or low fantasy, orcs or elves or anything else, with a very established world, the writers cannot. Discount Tolkien from their influence. They might not be directly influenced influenced by Tolkien, but through other writers, it is almost like you know Tolkien to fantasy would be Shakespeare and the King James version of of the Bible to the English language. And Jin Yong, he wrote fifteen novels between the nineteen fifties and nineteen seventies. He had more than a hundred、um, TV or film adaptations. And there are video games and、um, comic books spawned off from 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 all the characters and martial arts、uh, moves that he created,、um, and there are tons of pop songs as well. So you can imagine the body of influence. So anything you see today in China that made by a Chinese、um, creative in period drama that has a little bit of fighting, be it video games. Or, or so computer games, comics,、um, TV show, film. It would be rooted in something that Jin Yong created or adapted from the Jin Yong、um, kind of over of work. That's perfect because you are basically linking to my upcoming question.、Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, like there is not just Jin Yong. There are like a lot of other author, but we don't have the time to dive <laughs>、yes. into every single people's、uh, life. But so when、uh, Jin Yong died, and then the the Youth Daily,、uh, which is a Chinese newspaper in Beijing,、uh, the newspaper conducted a sample survey of people born in the nineties and compared them to people born in the two thousand. For those who don't know, in China, like we tend to put people not really by generation X, Z, and so on, but more by like the decade that they were born. And so they realized that the post、uh, 2000 generation who had read Jin Yong work was like fewer, 16, compared with the post 90s generation. And also in 2016, a report about China film industry concluded that only two percent of Chinese moviegoers wanted to see wuxia film. So I'm wondering, like, does this mean that the legacy of such stories are slowly eroding? Well, I mean, th- there's always has to be. T- you have to take these polls into a context, right? So if we look at some of the more most popular stuff that is currently being produced. Of a lot of it, that, for example, that falls in categories of、uh, xianxia, 
which is sort of the next evolved step of wuxia. So all this stuff is really rooted in Taoist mythology, beliefs about how certain breathing exercises or certain movements can make you really powerful. So where classic wuxia had it sort of in a superhuman, uh, at a superhuman level, xianxia takes it to like a suprahuman level where you can fly around on swords and things like that. But to me, it's all under the great umbrella of wuxia, if not just classic wuxia per se. So it really sort of depends on how you interpret the term wuxia and how the readers of that poll interpreted it. Because from what I can tell, um, especially in the web novel scene, which is uh, by far the most, you know, wide or widely read uh, popular sort of uh, fiction scene in China these days, the xianxia genre remains incredibly popular. And we see so many movies and serials and games and things like that being adapted from it, including some of the most popular uh, anime shows being produced in China to this day. So if, if we're talking strictly about most classic wuxia, maybe. But once we get into sort of the entire ecosystem that it has spawned or which it contains, then I think it could be a very, very different response to that poll. I agree with JP when you talk about more of a broader term, because right now, uh, whether it's a censorship or other restrictions or other just a trend of people's taste, they tend to add some di different um, sounds to the to the script, like love stories and other uh, component to the traditional wuxia, uh, normally just fighting and also be a hero, this type of uh, style. Then there's different um, things added into the to, to the storyline. So it might define as a different category, but there's somehow the uh, martial art or the wuxia, um, that factor still in the uh, whole story. So that's, I would say, because right now, like JP mentioned, most of the web series and also web films from the novel wuxia or xianxia, um, so it's still happening, and that's the most of the project shooting currently uh, at the studio. And just to add on to what Felix said as well, I just thought of something. Um, I mean, if we're talking about wuxia derivatives, a uh, very famous non-Jingyong wuxia novel is called uh, Xun Ji, A Step into the Past, right? And so that was a story of a person who was you know, struck by lightning and then transmigrated back in the distant past into the, Qing dynasty, into the Qing dynasty, the first dynasty, and tells of his stories there. Well, if we look at sort of transmigration back in history and then, you know, affecting history and then some martial components over there, I mean, my God, that feels like that's half of the, uh, the, the popular TV series these days, you know? So, so again, I mean, if you look at Wuxia in a very strict, narrow way, Maybe some aspects of the classical version are less popular, but everything it spawned, my God, it, it, it really is Chinese popular culture these days. Now, it reminds me, Felix, when we had our pre-interview. Uh, yes, dear listener, because we always have pre-interview with our guests. This is why we have such amazing conversation. But Felix, you were telling me that one of the reasons that we have more like love stories and fantastic element is also because like Chinese stars, uh, they are not like the Jet Li or the Jackie Chan of the 80s and 90s. Like they can't do stuff like they can't do a proper fight scene. And uh, I thought that was also super interesting to bring this element. Sure. Yeah, definitely. I just add a little bit more. I'm sure everybody read on the news or that, you know, they get a little scratch and then they, somebody go to hospital, all that, you know, news. But I'll just say, like I just mentioned to Aladdin before, and not right now, the martial art, that star, it's very difficult to grow. And that's just not the market 
for these people, they have to train for years and even ten, over ten years. You know, they st- they learn kung fu, they learn different uh, 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 martial arts style. So people just don't have the patience or the the path for this style of people. They might be a stunt, but you know, it's very you know at the whole uh, film or television world, it's very difficult job, and they especially for some uh, superstars. It's very difficult for them to start learning these uh, skills, so that is is you know on the screen you don't see much of the real fight like the eighties or the seventies. No, they they do more of the uh, post production, add more of a, a special effect on there. So that also can lead to a like JP mentioned, Xianxia. It's more like mm. you you fly and then wow. adding some stuff in in in, in post. So that's uh, I thought that's pretty interesting and also that's my lead to the to the result of having less of the traditional wuxia as well that is so fascinating i never i never thought of it that way but you're right it's uh, it's much easier to uh, do an fsx of uh, throwing a fireball or something like that than uh, actually teaching someone how to fight in, in a sort of traditional kung fu way that's that's really cool <laughs> So there's a very practical reason why there, there's a yeah. the, the more fantastical element. But I think whether sort of Xianxia, the really famous, you know, popular shows these days, from The Untamed to to Word of Honor, uh, many other shows that you see today, the roots, the creatives um, involved in these TV or film productions, we would have all grew up on some form of uh, a mid twentieth century. Um, wuxia diet of Jin Yong, Gu Long, mm-hmm. Liang Yusheng, etc. Mm-hmm. And then before that, we would have grew, we would have been um, sort of nurtured on what um, Aladdin mentioned in the introduction, um, uh, the water margin. So there is a continuation of um, martial arts or martial hero story. Um, throughout sort of Chinese popular entertainment, I guess that's probably is the best way to describe it. Um, because if you think about um, classical Chinese theatre, um, any kind of regional um, or what you call it Chinese opera, xiqu, um, these um, stories about justice, about you know fighting, be it the invaders or the bad guys. Um, are very very popular and and traditional Chinese theatre has a huge amount of um, physical performance which is martial arts related and then there's also Chinese acrobatics that's that a lot of the movement or 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 or, or the set pieces are also related to the martial arts. But before we actually have like all those TV shows, they are most of the time based on online novel. Uh, so I was really impressed by the numbers. So at the World of Chinese, we wrote an article about that online novel fantasy uh, world. And Wuxia was part of that story uh, for that article called Wildest Fantasy. Our journalist recounts that some writers is that, uh, quote, uh, one notable feature of online fantasy fiction is their extraordinary length. Works. I'm sorry, please continue. works often and easily run to millions of words for instance Battle Through the Heavens contain 1680 chapters and 5.3 million Chinese characters that's roughly 26 full length novels updated in daily installments writers have to crack out roughly 2000 to 3000 characters per day to keep their reader interested 
end of the quote. So GP, I guess that at Busia World, uh, you have like a steady flow of content like coming your way so that you could translate them and then also make them into comics, right? Yeah, uh, just to uh, br briefly hop in, I would say two to 3,000 characters are rookie numbers. M most well-established writers are doing 5,000 plus characters a day, um, easily. That's that's more like a floor, not a ceiling. So so I would say that quote under underplays the actual situation quite a bit. Um, yeah, so the thing about this sort of serial fiction is one of the things that makes it so attractive to readers is that every single day they know they can log onto the site or to their app and they'll see one or two more chapters of the novel. And it's a very habit-forming exercise. And, you know, that's true for all sorts of serial fiction. I mean, as far back as, you know, when Jin Yong was publishing his first Wuxia novels in the Ming Pao, the, the Hong Kong newspaper, people were doing the same thing. They were just... It was every single week, oh, we're going to go see what happens next in the story, you know, before it was all compiled into a book. So I would say there is a long and rich tradition of sort of a, a serial nature to wuxia novels. E again, even if we look back at Tales of the Water March, and it, these are very episodic sort of types of stories to begin with, right? And I guess all those online novels are basically like the ground floor, like the, the grassroots of uh, stories that can then become TV series or video game, correct? Oh yeah, I mean Felix can tell you way more about you know the how how that gets made, but absolutely. I mean, these days half the time when I turn on my TV and I'm just flipping through whatever series are available, I recognize half the names because I've seen half of those in 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 web novel form before. It's really become sort of one of the biggest powerhouses of content generation, I think, in uh in Chinese pop culture these days. What about video game? Then do you guys have anything to add? Um, I personally am not a gamer. But I can see, I would say a lot of the serialized Chinese fiction, be it web novel or Jin Yong or sort of the mid 20th century serialized wuxia martial arts fiction, or even the older ones like um, Water Margin or even Dream of the Red Chamber, in a sense, um, for me, they are kind of similar to like big, um, the sort of very large world um, RPG games. Um, because all these all these stories have a narrative, but the thrust is not as immediate or compulsive as a lot of um, the adventure stories you read in English, because they are told in episodes or every day by a storyteller on the street, or like in Jin Yong or, or other, um, or his contemporary, they are publishing weekly or daily in newspapers or in magazines. So we are allowed to immerse in the world and wander around without a fixed purpose, you know, not like Lord of the Rings, I, Frodo, has to destroy the ring. We don't, a lot of the times with um, Chinese martial arts fiction or other web novels, we don't have that compulsive action that we have to perform. We wander around the world, meet people, learn things, got better, and then you discovered, oh, maybe I can do this, And then so later on, have, you know, another 20 chapters on or, or, or 20, 30,000 words, you just discover a new mission or a new purpose in life. So it's much more um, an exploration of the world that the story is set in, as well as explore, exploration of the characters and the person. There's a lot of personal growth, but it's not particularly driven in the sort of Western story or fiction fiction sense, I would that. That I think is how um, a lot of these Chinese serialized story is in a way similar to gaming. I don't know whether I'm just talking crap or or, or what do you guys think? Yeah. 
I've played a good number of uh, Jingyong-derived games. I'm, there have been dozens that are derived directly from Jingyong and related IPs, and then hundreds that are sort of derived from the overall sort of type of world that him and the other Wuxia authors have been built. And I really just have to say, um, almost without exception, most of those games are just really bad. They're very badly created games, unfortunately, that are just trading off the nostalgia and love that readers have for the uh, these characters and these stories. Um, we forget about triple A, uh, you know, titles. We haven't even really seen double A or single A titles from these. So there's a lot of games. Um, I think most of them are pretty bad. Some are okay. Some have gotten a bit better in recent days, but. No, we're, we're really looking forward to see something big that might pop out. And for those who don't know, a AAA game is a game like Far Cry or uh, GTA. It's basically those blockbuster video games with like hundreds of millions of budget and uh, and uh, hundreds of people working on it. So then I would guess, but I guess like the novel online novel industry, that's another episode we really want to talk on in the Middle Earth podcast. But I would guess like anyone r- writing and working in Wuxia novel or in that sphere, like definitely they would start like writing novels and then they just hope to get picked up by like a video game company or like a production film studio or something like this correct so it kind of depends um it depends on what platform you're in and when you sign your contract so for a lot in the web novel industry uh, for a long period of time uh, for most websites when you first signed onto a website you didn't just sign away your novel rights you actually also signed away your derivative rights for that novel now if if those get picked up you'll still get paid for it but it's sort of all being handled by the web novel platforms themselves. You don't really sort of have any role in uh, or impact in in choosing what you can or can't do, which has you know caused a lot of friction as well, and it's one of the reasons why there's been so many bad uh, games because the author has limited amount of input. Um, nowadays, though, as authors you know become increasingly well known on their own right, um, and as you know the sort of the awareness of the value of uh, the broader IP ecosystem outside just the web novels, but also the ancillary products that can be created around it, as that awareness has increases, we're increasingly seeing authors, uh, especially the you know the famous ones, want to hold onto those rights on their own and then either choose who they want to produce it or even produce their own. Um, some of the authors that we've uh, worked with uh, directly, they've actually set up their own sort of studios where they will produce and own their own uh, manhua or benga as well as you know their games and stuff like that it sort of depends on sort of what has happened in the past 10 years and sort of where on that side of the divide you fall but um definitely there's there's a tremendous amount of action in the sphere overall i would say got it uh, felix maybe you could do a follow-up regarding like uh, those novels being shot in type of series and then like if you could just like say how many episode are the actors famous uh, is it a, like a big type of budget production or kind of a small one or you know kind of give a sense of when people produce wuxia novel at the studio you used to work at like how what was the process and how was it done sure especially nowadays i think people not uh, or the production company doesn't spend as much money as before and most of the projects shooting right now are ultra low budget or i would say not as big as before and just the genre itself and also they definitely gonna have different uh things added in to the storyline so not just a traditional uh wuxia project most of the project adding like i mentioned before like the love story and also the different uh, things into the storyline 
So typically, they they from the production perspective, they tend to finish the whole shooting period uh, under a month, even so the whole shooting period. Typically, fifteen days to thirty days. That's a sweet spot for a web series. They can release on the online platform, so that you know keep the budget small, and then they hopefully can bet on uh, uh on the uh on the hit. So that's the most of the project right now, uh, because the e- economy and also the different uh things happening to the entertainment industry. But um, there are still talks about having the blockbuster like Wuxia genre, but just I've never seen for the last uh two or three years. And uh, maybe there's some ancient story, but it's not like a huge Wuxia or martial art component in the story. And especially uh, right now, most uh, many stars got into trouble uh, while we're at the studio, we've seen projects got canceled or cannot put on the on, on, on the platform because of you know the 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 main actor or the actress has some problems. So people tend to do small budget or ultra low budget for the project. Just you said like a couple of weeks, but then how many episodes then hit the screen? Twenty four typically, uh, twenty four to uh forty ish. That's between uh they do try to do it uh, between. 15 days to 30 days. So wait, like each day they are able to shoot like one or two hours of content? Yeah, I mean, they kind of just break it down to uh, some of the uh, projects. They just shoot very quickly and, you know, not having massive uh, extras in there. So they tend to do it pretty fast. Wow. That, that's pretty impressive. So, you, so basically shooting 24 hours nonstop. Not twenty four hours nonstop. They they I mean over twelve hours is normal. They don't really keep, you know, eight hours like the the rule, but you know, they do twelve hours, sixteen hours, it's pretty normal. And the scene just goes fast and the the, the, the length of the storyline doesn't, you know, as long as before. Well, that's pretty impressive. So we established that Wuxia is like basically transforming itself like from the genre it was like in the 80s and 90s into something like with more related to love stories and 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 fantasy. And basically Wuxia is more like a back, backdrop, I feel. Uh, but then I'm wondering like how you guys like see the see the future of the genre, like how is it going to be like in the coming up years? I, uh, I still think Wuxia, especially from a broader view of the Chinese film content, that is still the connection between the eastern and the western world people easier to understand the wuxia world than other uh, genre i personally i feel so still um i think in the long run wuxia gonna play a big part for the chinese film uh, uh entering to the international market and also explaining the uh the philosophy behind the chinese uh style and also the view so I think in the long run, it's still got a pretty solid background. And also that's going to be a way to um, enter the international market. I would also say Wuxia as an inspiration to writers and creatives. It's still um, very strong um, because, as, as I said, you know, we a lot of Chinese or um 
in in China in Chinese speaking regions and overseas, or even a lot of um, Asians around the world, um, would have grew up with uh, we've grown up with some form of wuxia content, and when they write or create their new stories, it it will still be part of the nutrients that they um, um, that they grew up on. So, I think it may not be a strict wuxia story, as in characters are fighting in a very relatively realistic sense <laughs> but that kind of um the, the sort of moral code the sense of justice and the type of story a slightly more meandering a freer um exploration of of a very well-established world um will still be quite influential to a lot of creatives today and especially now we've got a lot of um xianxia related um television shows or 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 animation or comics um reaching non-chinese non-chinese speaking or non non-asian audiences and that will in turn terms then influence um new creative um outputs i really agree with and want to just echo and build up on top of what uh what Gigi just said because you know, we're just not talking just about China and Hong Kong, really. If we look at even just all of Southeast Asia, I mean, the amount of influence that uh, wuxia novels and TV series have had in Vietnam, in Malaysia, in Singapore, even in parts of the Philippines, it's it's quite tremendous. Um, and that influence is not going to be going away. A lot of the current modern fiction, especially the Xianxia uh, derivative, is really just going to be continued to increase in popularity and scope. And to a certain uh, degree, I think that it's right, right now the issue is just that uh, there hasn't been a lot of big budget stuff uh, sort of made with you know Wuxia or Xianxia in mind. Um, there's, I mean, there's, uh, I think, Black Myth: uh, Legend of Wukong coming out, which is has a lot of people really excited, and I think if that game, it's a video game, right? It's it's gonna be it looks like it's something sort of based off the, the Dark Souls type of gameplay, but it's gonna be supposedly one of China's first sort of triple A big budget gaming titles, and if these things start, can take off, then we're gonna see a flood of capital into into the market because. One thing you can always count on China for is if they see that something can make money, then they're willing to put money into it. Um, and lots and lots of copycats, some good, some not. But what I anticipate is, you know, we are going to be seeing that eventually because once there's a success, proven success, they're going to want to replicate that. And Xianxia and Wuxia really is the most fertile ground right now for uh, Chinese popular fiction uh, that can also be you know, broadly accessible to the wider world. Okay, well, and uh, hopefully Felix will be the one uh, doing those movies in the future. Thank you. Okay, well, I think we covered a lot of ground, so um, uh, really interesting. Thank you again for this, guys. And now we can move on to my favorite part of the show, uh, the quiz, where we'll see who is the most knowledgeable among our guests. So the rules are simple. I will ask you a few questions. If you know the answer, you first buzz in with your name. Each correct answer gives you a point, and the person with the most points obviously wins the quiz. And the winner of the quiz will receive the latest issue of the World of Chinese. So let's start with question one, and let's go back in history. Can you tell me which historical figure, so a real person, was the first in China to write about assassin and knight errant? Please don't Google that. Uh... Assassins and knight errants. JP, would it be uh, Sima uh, Tian when he's talking no, about that's Jinko not story? Him. That's, no? that, that's not him, but yes, that's someone who used to be a philosopher and a statesman. 
during the warring state period? Han Feizhe? Uh, yes, Han Fei is the name, and Han Feizhe is like the name of the book. Okay, all right. So one point for GP. Question number two. Can you tell me which wuxia movie got the most international awards? JP, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yes, indeed. Uh, it is a Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon with 50 uh, price, including four Academy Awards. And there was only 20 for Kung Fu Hustle and only 13 for Heroes. Kung Fu Hustle got robbed. <laughs> okay, uh, I think we know who's going to win the quiz, but maybe we will have a runner-up. So we're going to play Guess the Number. So after all our conversation, uh, it actually got me thinking. And I was like checking, uh, I think, like two masterpieces of, uh, you know, like kind of fantasy that is like Hero from Zhang Yimou and uh, The Lord of the Ring from Peter Jackson. So you would be interested to know that The Lord of the Ring currently early October 2022 is like at, in the top 50 roughly the top 50 on IMDb and on Doban Doban being the IMDb of, uh, of China but then can you tell me and we'll start with UGP and then each one of you will say a number can you tell me what's like the popularity rank of hero of, of uh, the movie of Zhang Yimou published in 2002 so I uh, so Lord of the Ring is roughly top 15 Doban and IMDB but can you tell me on IMDB what's the ranking number of hero and that's obviously lower than uh, the Lord of the Ring I, I'd I'd guess 300 300 GG uh, I'd say probably like 450 <laughs> okay Felix I'll just do 400 well the answer is it's on the top 4000 4000 it's not even in The 500. <laughs> well, so about 3,000 <laughs> odd number away. But. Okay. Well, uh, thank you, GP. Anyway, you win the quiz. Congratulations. We'll send you a physical copy of The World of Jenny's Your Way. Yay! Thank you. <laughs> On that note, we'll wrap up the show. Glad to have you until the end, dear listeners. I guess you like that show. And if you do, you can help the Middle Earth Podcast to grow by recommending us to your friend. But even more important, you can recommend us topics or guests that have insight on China cultural industry. It's not always easy to find people willing to talk, and a recommendation would go a long way. Let me remind you that Middle Earth is part of TWOC, the World of Chinese Podcast Network. If you want to know more behind the headlines, go to theworldofchinese.com and order your latest copy. Also, if you are impressed by this show guest and need to find an interviewee for your next documentary piece or use a researcher in China, you can give us a call. Today's episode was produced and edited by Aladin Faré. Production assistant, Ren Jiayin. Music by Sean Calvo. And distributed by the World of Chinese Podcast Network. Hope to see you next time and stay safe. Bye-bye. Uh, I don't know who has a cat, but can the owner of the cat please cut the mic uh, when the cat when the when you're not talking so that we don't hear the, the okay, cat? Okay, so my cat. Yes, I will mute myself when I'm not talking. <laughs> okay, thank you. Or tell tell him to 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 participate. <laughs> I really shut him outside the room. <laughs> Looks like our listener are still doing their dishes. Yeah, all very committed to their workout. Yeah, for sure. So, since you're still here, if you want to learn more about Chinese society, culture, history, and language, you should go to theworldofchinese.com or find us on WeChat, and you'll find an amazing array of award-winning, in-depth, original reporting on China and amazing videos and podcasts too. All right. Well, until the next issue then.